I want to speak to you tonight for however long on the subject of press on to glory. Verse 9, Naomi is continuing her discourse here. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we, both of them, will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes, for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah, and this is who Oprah Winfrey is named after. It is a misspelling of Orpah. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. There was a choice to make because circumstances had changed. Both of these ladies had lost their husbands. They were both dead. They were with their mother-in-law. This was not the way they expected their lives to turn out. They expected to live their lives with their husbands. They ex expected to live their lives with their uh, mother-in-law. And having had, I believe, the best mother-in-law ever put on this planet myself was the one that I had. And there, can I get amen? And um, because their circumstances changed, you know, Naomi said, look, you know, I'm too old. I can't get married again. And even if I got married and got pregnant tonight, y'all ain't going to wait 15, 16, 17 years, however long, for these boys. And, who, you know, who would know that I would bear sons anyway? But my point is this. The circumstances had changed, and there was a choice to be made. And Orpah's choice was to go back. What's she going back to? She's going back to a life of other gods. She is going back to a life devoid of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is what the Scripture plainly tells us. Orpah makes a choice. She goes back to her people and to her gods. But Ruth does not let a change in circumstances affect her loyalty to Naomi. I will not turn back. Naomi's like, it, it doesn't make sense, darling. I mean, Naomi loved Ruth. You go on, find another you know, man and get married. Ruth said, no, I will not leave you. Even though circumstances have changed, listen, this does not justify me leaving you. So how did her life shake out? She's only in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ How'd it work out for Ruth? 
Has, did not the Lord bless her? Is she, is she not the however many going back grandmothers of King David and in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ himself? I would say that Ruth made the right choice. Orpah went back to her heathen people and their heathen idol gods. Ruth stuck with Naomi. She was faithful to her, and the Lord blessed her faithfulness. Beloved, there are going to be times when circumstances are going to change. Right now, we got it pretty good. We got a guy in the White House that needs a good dose of sanctification, especially with his mouth. But we got a vice president that's a child of God that's standing there praying for him. You know, the economy is, is doing real well. If you ain't got a job, you ain't got nobody to blame but yourself because there are jobs out there to be had. You know, and things are going pretty good. But here's, if, if by any means any one of those Democratic candidates are elected as president, and if by any means the Senate were to fall into the hands of the now Democratic Socialist Party, things are going to change, darling. Beto O'Rourke, and this guy, when you, if you investigate his life, America is the land of promise. It don't matter what kind of a fool you are. If you really make the effort, you can succeed in America. And Beto O'Rourke is a prime example of that. If you read his rap sheet and everything that boy has done and said, the words come out of his mouth that he has achieved this status, he can only do that in America. If he was in Russia or China, they'd have shot him a long time ago. But he made the statement that churches that do not recognize same-sex marriages should be deprived of their tax-exempt status. He made that. Now, that's just a, a, a sign talk, if you will. Well, what, what do you mean by that? What he's really saying is that if I'm elected president, the government will shut down the Christian churches. Well, you know, he'll never be elected president. That's what I said about Barack Hussein Obama just a few years after 9-11. We would never elect a Muslim president in the United States, not with a handle like that anyway, but this country did. I'm saying that things may change, but if things change, if circumstances change, we don't change. We don't go with the flow. You may say, Brother Andy, you getting into politics. I'm not getting into politics. I'm getting into what this word says. We don't go with the flow, and just because... The, uh, those in political power say that something is okay does not mean it's okay. I preached from this pulpit Sunday night that the Bible is the Word of God and the Bible is the final authority for our lives. It is as the Bible proclaims that it is. The only reason I know I'm saved is the Bible says I'm saved. Who's going to heaven, Brother Andy? Everybody the Bible says going to heaven, going to heaven. Who's going to hell? Everybody the Bible says going to hell is going to hell. There ain't going to be one person in hell that doesn't deserve to be there, and there's not going to be one person in heaven that is not there by the grace of God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Orpah went back. She went back to her heathen people. She went back to her heathen gods. But listen, Ruth pressed on to glory. Her circumstance didn't look well, but the Lord, because of her faithfulness, God Almighty engineered circumstances in her behalf. And she married a good old boy who loved her. Amen. 
Judges chapter 7, verse number 2. We went over this. We're fixing to go into Ruth on Wednesday nights. But we've already, one more chapter and we're out of Judges. Praise God. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Therefore, Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomsoever I say to you, This one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and he retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Gideon was below him in the valley. God told Gideon to tell the fearful and afraid to go back. They had a choice either to shape up and be men or to go back. They chose the latter. Listen, going back is always a choice. Now let that seep into our minds tonight. Going back is always a choice. Later, 9,700 more left. For And here's the statistic that got me. For everyone that stayed, 106 turned back. For everyone that stayed, 106 turned back. God's not in a numbers game. And the thing that has messed up the church in the United States more than anything else is a carnal standard of success for the church. And we've got to the place, I say we, I'm talking about the church as a whole, has gotten to the place where any strategy, any gimmick, any kind of thing at all that will draw a crowd is now being used to draw a crowd. And most churches no longer preach the need for salvation it's a self-help deal. You come to our church, we'll make you a millionaire. You give me, especially guys on TV. And, and, and this, is my, you know, this is my temptation because I know how to do it. It's to get on TV. And, I, you know, y'all know, some of y'all know what I'm fixing to go into here. Give me your money. Give me your money. Give me your money. Give me your money. I want your money. I need, whoo, glory, your money. I need your money in my pocket. I need your money to change places from where it is in your billfold and pocketbook. I need your money to find itself into my billfold and my bank account. Remember old Reverend Knight? Can't y'all remember Reverend Knight? Boy, he had it down pat. You went to a Reverend Knight service. He had them Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets. You know what he said from the pulpit? We taking up this offering, and I don't want to hear no noise in that bucket. You know what he meant by that? Don't you put no change in my bucket. All I want is a soft money in my bucket. I want the bills. Keep a change to yourself. I want your money. 
and the same mindset is like a cancer in the body of Christ. And we see churches throughout this country doing whatever it takes to draw a crowd and making whatever concession they think will, will achieve that goal. And I'm not one out my name and name when T.D. Jake says that my view on homosexuality is evolving. When Beth Moore says maybe we need to take another look at the church's stance on homosexual behavior. When people are saying, look, I'm willing to go down to the very bottom of the barrel just as long as I can get backsides on the pews and their money in my pocket. That's where we are. And the church, and I, because I remember my, you know, <coughs> excuse me, my denominational days. I've been around good men, but they've been affected by the, oh, let's just cut to the chase. When I held papers in the church of God, your standard of success, if you want a bigger church, all you need to do is grow the church you were at. Just put more backsides in the pew. Your state overseer be impressed. If you was running 50, now you're running 150, you'll get another church with 200 with a, with a, uh, a company raise in salary and benefits. Am I telling the truth? I remember when the pastor's salary was based on the number of people whose names were on the membership roll. That's not right. And if you die here and you're a member of the church, we will take your name off the roll. Of course, now my salary and benefits aren't based on that because that's a trap. Let's do whatever. Boy, I tell you what, we, we get, how many homosexuals would come if we just lighten up on that, if we just back up? Who cares if they die and go to hell as long as I get my money? That's where we're at. This ain't a numbers game, folks, because numbers are not God's standard. You know what God's standard for success for with his people is that we love him and we love one another. You got ten people and they love God and they love one another, that church is a success. I mean, if, if, if they're meeting in a rundown storefront and they ain't got enough in, in tithes and offerings, you know, uh, to buy a Big Mac and a large Coca-Cola. But if they believe in Jesus and love one another from heaven's perspective, that's a success. And, and that is Brother Andy's standard for success. I'm not in this numbers game. Amen. I watched 100 people leave this congregation. I got, I got the, the statistics to prove it, I keep attendance statistics just for the historical record. And you know why? Because we weren't Baptist enough. And I'm not knocking Baptist. I was raised Baptist. I love Baptist. I'm not putting Baptist down. I'm telling you, we Pentecostal. We're not Baptist. We're not even Baptist. We're Pentecostal. Amen. <laughs> I watched 100 people leave. You know what they did? And this is their credit. They went out and built the biggest Baptist church in Chattanooga County. And that's all right. But I'm not going to, whoo, glory. I'm not going to tell somebody that you are eternally secure and you can live any way you want to and do whatever you want to just because you prayed a prayer when you were nine years old and you're living like the devil now and you're going to heaven. No, you're not. Amen. I had to tell one guy, a great guy, he's a good Christian. I believe he just says, you're either saved or not. Saved people are saved. Saved Baptists are just as saved as saved Pentecostal people are because saved people are just saved. But I had to tell him, look, man, because he was strong on that unconditional eternal security. I said, look, as lovingly as I can, let me share this with you. 
you will, and I was raised in that, by the way, you will never hear that come out of my mouth as a (laughs) recovering Calvinist. You will never hear that come out of my mouth. And I can tell you something else. You will never hear anybody at Grace the Pulpit of this congregation to hear that come out of their mouth either. Well, I'll set them down if I have to. It ain't going to happen. It's not worth it. But, oh, Brother Andy, if you, if you had just, you know, if you had just get, give just a little bit, just compromise just a little bit, man, you could have the biggest church in the county. And instead of driving an old Lincoln, you'd be driving a brand new Lincoln. I'll drive my old Lincoln, thank you very much. I'll drive my old pickup truck. But God grant me grace to be faithful to his word. This is something a lot of you don't know about Dolus Messer. He could have been general overseer of the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee. The only man in the history of Lee College to win the Zeno C. Tharp Award twice. That award is given by the, uh, the teachers, if you will, professors of Lee, to the person they believe will have the greatest impact on the church in the next 10 years. Dolus Messer is the only person to win that thing twice. When Dolus Messer was at Lee, he was the only student at Lee given a uh, indulgence to be late to break curfew because he was out preaching revivals. And you know what those in power told him, son? If you'll just ease up a little bit. Not much. We're not asking you to compromise the important things. But if you just ease up a little bit, one day you'll be general overseer. A lot of people don't know that about Dolus. You know what his choice was? I'll go with God's word, thank you very much. I may never be the general overseer of the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, but one day I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ, and all I want to hear him say is, well done, faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. I preached over at Micah Messer's church that night, and Brother Messer was sitting there, and man, the Spirit of God moved on me, and I just shared that with him. I didn't call his name, but I just shared it and stared him down the whole time I was saying it. Old Michael was sitting on the front, and he started squalling like a baby. My God, Brother Andy, and I just stared at Brother Messer. Brother Messer never blinked. He never put a smile on his face, but he knew what I was saying, and he knew who I was saying it about. Brother, there are some things that just aren't worth it. Amen. And that's one of them. It don't take thousands. The Lord's looking for a few who will stick. He's looking for a few that will serve him, listen, without fear. And those are the ones he's going to bless. This is dedication day 31. 31. Let's see, I'm 62. What's 31 from 62? 30 something. There you go. See, people say, well, that was a great message. And I tell you, it ain't me. I ain't that smart. I prove it every day. Half my life. Mowing that grass. Amen. I remember mowing that grass where the ministry center is now. Saying, Lord, please build that building so I don't have to mow all this grass. He built it. Had a fellow here for the Bowler Union, Terrell McBrayer's son. I think it's the first time he'd ever been here. And he was walking around fish-eyed. Y'all know what fish-eyed is, don't you? He came up to me and he was like, wow. He, you know, I didn't know all that. You know, I said, the Lord's been good to us. And that is the proper response, beloved. When somebody compliments you on what the Lord has done here, please do not fail to give God the glory. Amen.
Say, just just take a look at the cornerstone of the church, and you'll see what we're all about. We don't have the the council's name. We don't have the building committee's name. We don't have the grand poobah's name. There's only one name that adorns this sanctuary, and that is the name of the Lord, because it is his. Praise God. It's not a situation that has to do with numbers being a standard for success. But you know what? The standard is faithfulness. John 6 and 45, Jesus said it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God, therefore everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews, therefore, quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, listen, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, Woo, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit. I shared this with you this morning. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father." From that time, I read all that to get to this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. When the demands of discipleship become too great for our little old selves to bear, people go back. They make the choice to go back. What did these people go back to? Listen, they went back to a life without Jesus. And folks, that ain't a life worth living. Amen. They went back to a life without Jesus. Many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Woo! 
There are going to be times when the Word of God absolutely messes your feelings up. Your feelings are going to be turned on their head by what the Word of God has to say. There are going to be times when the commitment demanded by this Bible is going to offend you. You ain't going to like it. And you're going to say what I've heard too many say over these years. I just don't feel that way. My feelings. I'm just as Pentecostal as anybody else, but I don't believe it. I don't feel that way. You better get your feeler fixed. You do that in the altar. Amen. You, your feeler broke. Your feeler contrary to the word of God, you got feeler cancer. You need to get your feeler fixed and fall in, whoo, glory, and fall in line. Many of them, more of them left than stayed. Many of them walked away and were with him no more because the demands were too great. I'm here to tell you, we got to get away from this soft gospel that does not require commitment. We've got to get away from this easy believism, amen, that does not require an obedience to the Word of God. we got to get away from this fearfulness. You know, we want to be seeker-friendly. I do. Everybody's welcome to come here. I'm glad for every person who walks in this door, but I love God, and I love you enough to tell you the truth. But there is a way that seems right in the mind of man which leads to death. And just because somebody don't feel that way, you'll feel it. Can, I mean, you know what Brother Kenny Morris would pray? Oh, God, don't let my flesh send my soul to hell. He preaches a message along that line. Great message. Oh, Lord, don't let my flesh send my soul to hell. We've got to get ourselves lined up with that word. We must get ourselves lined up with what the Word of God has to say. And when the Bible says it, that the Word of God holds such authority in our life, we say, yes, Lord, for no other reason than your Word has said. Thus says the Lord. You can ask my sons. There were times in their lives when they were kids. Do this. Why? Because Daddy said do it. But why should I do it? Because if you don't, I'm going to take a switch to your backside. I'm the daddy rabbit in this house. Amen. And what I say goes, because oh, it's my house. Get your own house. I don't tell my sons what to do. You know, I don't go to Bren's house and tell him what to do. He's, that's his house. But when he was in my house, praise God, everything was different. Amen. I wasn't mean or cruel or anything like that. But there are, see, there are principles that we're going to have to instill in these young. Brother, Andy, why you let them kids take up offering anyway? Why you let them kids do that out at the rock hall? Why you involve these children? I want these children, these little ones, to be ingrained. I want them to be attached to the church because I want them to be attached to Jesus. I want them to know that they have a place in the house of God and they have a place in the family of God. Amen. I want them to have a memory. Lord, don't come back before Brother Andy kicks the bucket or I, I get so old that you know somebody has to help me in the door. And they grow up. I want them to have a memory. I want them to tell their children. You know, son, when I was your size, Brother Andy used to call us up, and I was an usher when I was just your size right here. You know, uh, honey, when I was your size, Brother Andy let me participate in the rock altar. I, 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 I helped. I had a part. I'm a part of. They walked away because it was just too much. 
for them. No, we can't do this, eat your flesh and drink your blood. You know what the pity is? They didn't give the Lord an opportunity to explain what he was talking about. Anybody with half a brain knows he didn't mean for people to come up and start munching on his arm. I mean, come on. How dumb can you be? Eat his flesh and drink his blood. You know what I've, I've it's what I've, it's how, you know how I feel? I feel like he's looking for a way out. And beloved, if you're looking for a way out, the devil will provide you opportunity. And you can go. No, it's not that hard. Come let us reason together, says the Lord. We are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is what? Our what? Reasonable service. Well done. Isn't it going to be great to hear these words? Well done, good and faithful servant. Where'd Andy go? He let out running again. Well, he's been running ever since we got here. Yeah, I know it, but he just the Lord just said well done to him. He'll be back in a minute. You've been faithful in absolute. That's not what the Lord said. He said you've been faithful in a few things. God's not unreasonable. Amen. He's not going to send you eternal judgment because you were, you know, this or that. He said you've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Our trust in him, our faith. In, but see, here, here's the deal. Those who believe in Christ, and it comes down to that. It's so elementary that we've, we've missed it. It's so elementary that we've glossed over it. It all comes down to believing in Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Son of Almighty God? That he is, in fact, God the Son? He is the Word become flesh and dwelt among us? That he is Messiah of Israel? He's the Savior of the Gentiles. Do you believe he is the second person of the triune Godhead? That his gospel is true? That his word is true? Amen. If you believe that, it's going to affect the way you live and the way I live. That faith, that absolute confidence in him. Lord, if you'd only come earlier, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Of course he wouldn't have died. Jesus could have healed him. Jesus could have healed him where he was. He didn't have to go all the way to Mary and Martha's house to heal Lazarus. Did you know that all Jesus had to do, that two-day journey, you know, all he had to do was say, Lazarus, be healed. Boom, Lazarus is healed. He's already done it once. That guy said, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy. All you have to do is speak the word right here and it'll be done at my house. The Lord said, wow, okay, you got it. I'll speak the word right now and it'll happen at your house. Jesus didn't have to go to Mary and Martha's house to heal Lazarus. Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick and Jesus knew that Lazarus was dead. We better go, Lord. He, he's getting sick. Look, boys, he's dead. He ain't just sick. He, Lazarus is dead. Oh, no. God help us that we don't give the King of Kings and Lord of Lords a benefit of the doubt. You know what happens when you pray and God says no? It means he has something better in mind. Isn't that great? If you're a child of God, he's going to say yes. Woohoo! That's what we want to hear. Yes, Lord. Woo, glory to God. Thank you. 
Or he's going to say, wait, and we're going, eh, okay, I'll wait. He says, no, we're all stuck our bottom lip out like a child. What do you mean, no? You know, the Bible says you got it. God says, no, we have something better in mind. Amen. I, I preached that message. I could go into it, but we ain't got it all night. Many of them followed him no more because the demands were too great. The, the demands are not too great. He is not unreasonable. And you know what the truth is? He's worthy. I tell you flat-footed that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is worthy of your life and everything that has to do with it. He's worthy of all your time. He's worthy of all your talent. He's worthy of all your effort. He's worthy of all your worship. He's worthy of all your devotion. He's worthy of all your commitment. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Praise God. And it's not a question of just, you know, slicing our life up into little sections and giving God, a, you know, a piece of the pie. He's worthy of the whole pie. What if you don't want me to do X, Y, and Z? Then don't do it. But I like doing it. Well, don't do it because he said don't do it. You know what? <laughs> I read a guy's on Facebook today. I think he's in one of Brother Kevin's posts. He said, boy, I sure do feel better since I quit eating all that sugar. Sugar's sweet. Sugar's good. I love it. When we get to heaven, you want a Krispy Kreme donut? Come by my place. I'm going to have them. I have two items on the menu, my mansion in glory, Krispy Kreme donuts and crystal hamburgers. I can't eat either. If I do, my blood sugar will go to 900, and I'll go into a coma and die and go to heaven. But when I get there, in a glorified body, brother Andy, you playing? I ain't playing with you. Amen. You can come by and get it. Praise God. The guy said, you know, since I quit eating all that sugar, I feel better. I'm sure that he does. There may be some things that we really enjoy that if we quit doing it, we'll be better. When everything's said and done, you know, the Lord told me to lay that down. I laid it down. I feel better. I'm glad that I did. Amen. I'm glad I didn't pick it back up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. One more, and I'll be done. Or I should say the Lord will be done with me. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, listen, listen, listen. No one, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I didn't say it. Yeah, my battery's running out. Now's not the time to turn back. Now's the time to press forward. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. 
Now, today's been a day of reflection. Today's been a day of looking back on the blessings of the Lord from, you know, days gone by, and it ought to be. We, uh, we set this day aside to give God praise and thank him for everything that he's done for us for all these 30 years. But, beloved, we cannot live in the past. We got to press on. We got to run for the finish line. Now's not the time to sit back in Zion and say, well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We got everything. We got it made. Woo! We finally got it made. No worries. No, 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 no. We got a community full of lost people that we got to reach with the gospel. We got a generation of children we've got to instruct in righteousness. We've got to be the church of the last days. Amen. And that means every one of us doing the, what I've been screaming at y'all to do for thirty more than 30 years since I started preaching in 1984. Every member of the body of Christ has a purpose. God has not called you to spectate. God has called you to participate. God has not called you to sit and watch somebody else do. God has called you to find out what his purpose in your life is and to pursue that purpose and everybody has one it's not see we've done and we've done it in Pentecost to our detriment we've elevated the, the, the preaching platform ministry preaching and singing and picking to the place where it's like well that's all that matters that's not all that matters there's a lot of work to be done in the kingdom of God there's a lot of work to be done in the body of Christ. There's a lot of places to fill. There are a lot of things to do. And if you're saved tonight, I'm talking about saved people, if you're saved tonight, you occupy a place in the body of Jesus Christ. You are a member of that body, and, that, and your place is important, and nobody else can take your place. Amen? On Wednesday, last Wednesday night, Brother Greg wasn't feeling well, wasn't able to be with us. Brother Dan wasn't here. Who led, the, who led the congregational singing? Anybody remember? I did. Well, Brother Andy, you can't sing. You're right. I can't sing worth a flip. I didn't do it because I wanted everybody to hear my great singing. No, I did it because I had to do it. I mean, I, you, know, you, you just you cover the bass. And, and I ain't, you know, I'm glad Brother Greg is here. Aren't you? Aren't you? I mean, this morning and tonight, aren't you glad Brother Greg and Brother Dan were here leading this choir and you didn't have to listen to Brother Andy squeak through I'll Fly Away? Because I can get through about a verse in a course and then my voice goes, oh, I've done that sound like a donkey baying in the, I'll fly away. Oh, glory. Oh, glory is right. We all have a place. You're important. Well, the devil, especially if, if you've got a, a testimony, like you are really ashamed of what you used to do and who you used to be before you became a child of God, and the devil uses that against you. No, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do the other. You know what you are. You know what you've done. You know what everybody knows about you? You was in the paper. You was in the arrest report. Boy, you can't get away now. Everybody, I do. I owe 11 80 every day. See, my family's in there somewhere. You get arrested in this county, boy, you're on the Internet now. Amen. 
But you know what you did in that life before you came to Christ don't mean nothing? But the devil will tell you it does. You know why? He lied to you. Why? Because he is afraid you're going to get on your knees and you're going to find out what your purpose is in this life before Jesus comes and you're going to make the effort, amen, and you're going to do the work and you're going to start to live this abundant life that Jesus has promised to those that obey him and you're going to like it. And you're going to be effective. And somehow what you do is going to play a part in somebody getting saved. Somehow, some way. Well, Brother Andy, the Lord wants me to do something that seems nothing is inconsequential in the body of Christ. Your purpose is not inconsequential. There are no big eyes and little U's. What you do as a member of the body of Christ, is just as important as what I do. All I'm doing is the job God called me to do. That's it. That don't make me no better or put me on any higher plane than anybody else. I didn't ask for this, by the way. The Lord said, you will do it. I'd rather not because you're going to do it anyway. And he come down and say, I could have chose not to. I don't think I will. I shudder at what the consequences of that decision would have been. Because where I stand, I don't want to tell you, I had no desire to go back and live in the life I lived before I came to Christ. There is nothing there I want to trade this for. Nothing. And I don't believe you do either. So tonight when we come to pray, Lord, show me that place in your kingdom. Lord, let me occupy that place. Let me be faithful in a few things. Lord, let me experience reasonable service. Let me make that commitment to you. Orpah walked away. Men of Israel walked away from Gideon. The disciples, many of them walked away from Jesus. And then he just flat told them, look, if you put your hand to the plow and go back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Let us tonight determine in our hearts that by the grace of God, his unmerited favor, giving him all the glory, that we're going to press on to glory. We're going to press on to the finish line. We're going to be ready when the trumpet sounds. And we're going to take as many people with us as we possibly can by God's amazing grace. Stand with me all over the house. He done with me now.